Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing. Ich bin Host Manuel Feed. Und ja, uh, Transfer Updates. It's that kind of kind of time of the year, and um, helping me do this as always is Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Very, very well. The uh, as you just said, you know the season's over. Transfer windows in full bloom, and I think we've kind of made a decision that we're not going to put a huge amount of pressure on ourselves to bang out two episodes every week. Um, you know, sometimes we will. I guess sometimes we will if there's stuff to talk about, yeah. but. As the old saying goes, uh, less is more. Although, as the old saying goes in Fraser, if less is more, just imagine how much more more could be. Um, but <laughs> that's a good any one. Any Fraser fans out there might appreciate that. There's there's some of us still creeping around, even though the show's been like off the air for the last what fifteen years or something. Um, but yeah, we're just basically going to play it by year, aren't we? When there's big stories to talk about, we'll jump on and we'll do what we can to cover them. It, yeah, it's a good thing there isn't really anything to cover this week. So, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I was aware you have to remember the na national teams right now, right? Um, I, I think there is so many things on the verge of happening, but they're kind of put on hold because players are with the national teams, um, which is always people asking me, when is this being announced? I'm like, yeah, he's with the national team. Wait. Just give give it some time. Um, so this is also a thing. And I think you are at the national team game today. Scotland against Ukraine, right? Yes, I am. Which most people listening to this podcast will have already know the result of by the time mm -hmm. uh, this comes out. Uh, and unfortunately for Scotland, it's a lose-lose because we either win and we're the bad guys who beat Ukraine or we lose and we're the useless guys who couldn't beat a war-torn country. Oh. Uh, whose own very own players I think have registered for service so yeah in typical Scotland fashion uh, you know things couldn't be worse well they yeah. could be worse especially if we're playing Ukraine that's a horrible thing to say but you know what I mean yeah yeah it's it's a tricky one um, thankfully we don't have to cover that on this show that's for someone else to do um, we'll go and cover lots of other things after this break this episode of the Game Pressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE that is BELIEVE B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet Online, where the game starts So, speaking of national teams, Stefan um, Robert Lewandowski is with his national team 
and he did use that time quite well to make his feelings heard or rather to point out that he is heard about how he's treated at, Bi at Bayern Munich. Um, made it quite clear that he thinks his time at Bayern Munich is over. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> talking about burning bridges, I think there was always this, and when we had Pavel Wilkowitz on the show um, a few weeks ago, there was always this indication that if Bayern do play hardline, that he would do the same thing he did when Dortmund did something similar early in his career, right? And made him stay one more year, that he would still perform But after the things he said, I think it was on Monday, are we still sure of that? In what regard? That he would actually stay at Bayern and perform. Yeah, yeah it, it seems as though if there were any remaining bridges between the two parties, um, they have been well and truly burnt uh, and they're now floating down the river. Um, you know, I... I Obviously, I would say this because I help you do this podcast, but I honestly thought the interview with Powell was so illuminating in so many regards. Um, and I think the thing that really stood out to me in the whole interview was when Powell pointed out that as, what Lewandowski said to him in the past was that, you know, players are commodities in the sport and it's very easy to kind of get, get caught up in the emotion of it all and get caught up in the idea that these guys are heroes and they live forever, but when they're kind of doing their day-to-day -day job, um, they have to kind of look after themselves first and foremost because, as Pavel pointed out, and as you pointed out as well, Bayern Munich have had plenty of huge stars who, once they began to stumble or once they began to age, they've been quickly shown the exit door. And because Bayern obviously have this very close-knit community element to them, um, as you kind of pointed out on that podcast as well, you know, it, the club still feels like it's been run from a small cottage somewhere. They're very, very specific about which players they decide to stick around and which players, you know, will become part of the larger Bayern family after they retire. It's clear from a mile away that that's what Thomas Muller is going to become. It's clear from a mile away that that's what Manuel Neuer is going to become. But, you know, there are a number of players who you know, bled and bled and bled for this club and won championships and won Champions Leagues. Arjen Robin, Frank Ribery, you know, as you mentioned, players like Mario Gomez, even maybe perhaps someone like Bastian Schweinsteiger. You know, there's plenty of players who arguably have been just as important as Robert Lewandowski, but once they've kind of begin to diminish, they quickly get replaced. And I thought Pavel made a really good point in saying that Obviously, the way that Lewandowski looks at this is that, yeah, he loves playing for clubs. He loves playing for his clubs in Poland. He loves playing for Borussia Dortmund. He loves playing for Bayern Munich. But he doesn't... He, I think what he said was that he, he never says he loves a club because he knows that that's only a one-way street. Um, and I think the point... I think the, the example that Lewandowski made to him was obviously Blaszczykowski at Borussia Dortmund, who was kind of brushed aside as well uh, once his career was over. So... yeah. I think that is vital to understanding possibly the kind of headspace that Lewandowski is in right now. I think to fans, it's very hard to imagine, but obviously fans are in a very different relationship with the club. They are there for a lifetime um, and they feel it as though they are valued by the club because they pay their season ticket, they pay their commission, they pay for the, 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 the shirts that they buy their kids every year. And 
at least in Germany, they have some sort of power because you know if you're if you're a member, you can vote the AGM, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Players don't have any value. They don't have any long-standing value. They don't have any long-standing attachment. So if Robert Lewandowski decided that he was going to leave Bayern this summer and he was quite happy to kind of burn things up if he had to, then I can understand it from that point of view if he's talking from a very cold, professional point of view. And, that, and you know, it's not what fans of the sport like to hear, but there is some logic behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Pavel pointed out that Lewandowski will never kiss the badge of the the shirt that he's wearing, um, and he's never has. You can look at all the footage of every goal he's scored; he's never done that um, because he he thinks it's fake love, <laughs> and um, I think that's that's quite it tells you a lot about his his thinking. That although I think he is attached to Bayern Munich and to the things he's achieved there. He is also very much aware that the way he's thinking about wanting to leave now would be very much reversed if Bayern Munich feel he's no not worth it anymore. And um, let's read what he actually did say. Um, he did say at the, the the press conference, and there's been various versions out there, and I made an effort to actually get it as close as correct as possible. And he said, as of today, my story Bayern is over. After what happened in the last few months, I don't see any chance to continue my career at the club. I hope they don't make me stay just because they can. This obviously points out the the fact that he's still under contract. Um, contractual obligations are something that Bayern Munich are very much banging on away on if they if it favors them. Every club yeah. does. Um, this is not just a Bayern Munich thing. Um, I think when you when you look at this, he's obviously angry at a few things here. The probably the contract the, the contract talks that didn't go the way he wanted. He didn't feel appreciated because they only gave him a one year contract. The policy that Bayern Munich does with all new all players in his age category, right? And then I think the Erling Haaland stuff um, really, really made him angry too. Um, but at the same time, I also feel that he maybe uses all these things to do push a move to Barcelona. But now Stefan Barcelona, on the other hand. <laughs> Talking about uh, burning bridges, when you talk when you talk about Barcelona, it's a bit of a dumpster fire because um, the club has no money. I mean, if they were playing in the Bundesliga, they would be relegated to the fourth division for for financial mishandlement. And uh, Tebas, the league president, basically saying, as of now, Barcelona cannot sign Lewandowski because they have to sell players first. Mm. So. Lewandowski is burning bridges, but the pathway that is on the other side of the river is blocked. <laughs> so he's just kind of carved out a little island for himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this this is obviously a really interesting part of the story. I actually think um, I think T- Tebas is correct. You know, obviously he would know fine well because they're actually mm. they've actually they're very very strict with finances now in Spain and yeah. As we saw with Messi's departure, uh, the league do hold these clubs accountable. So I don't think the president of the league would say this unless it wasn't true. However, I do think Barcelona do have some kind of pawns to play on this chessboard. You know, there's a lot of talk of Frankie de Jong being sold Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of fund things. And I think also one that will probably end up going as well is Gavi, the young midfielder. He hasn't. And guess who wants him? Yeah. 
Well, apparently he's been linked with Liverpool, and they're willing to pay about fifty million for him. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah. um, he's got he hasn't signed a new contract. The Barcelona president in the last couple of months has came out and said that he's not happy about that. He's, he's not sure what's going on. He's had a contract offer since January, which he's not signed. So, and of course they've got like six strikers that they have to get rid of. They've got Memphis Depay, who they'll probably move on, um, and most notably. Um, so, I think they probably do have players that they can sell to make up what they might have to pay for Lewandowski, but um, a lot of things have to move before that happens, you know? Um, So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I mean, what I actually think will happen, and this is a complete guess, um, I have no inside knowledge on this, but to me, this screams like the perfect signing for Chelsea. Um, I think Mm. I may have said this in the podcast before, but... Um, you know, there's reports in England right now that Romelu Lukaku is going to speak to the new Chelsea owners who bought the club this week about his future. And, you know, if if they turn around and say Thomas Tuchel has spoke to us and he's not crazy about you, so we are going to try and sell you. Um, surely Thomas Tuchel, of all people, will be speaking to people back in Germany, hearing that Robert Lewandowski is desperate for a move. Sure, he'd want to move to Spain but Barcelona have no money. And he's sitting there with a, what, 80 million euro pound striker from Inter Milan, mm. who, okay, admittedly has had a terrible season, but he would score goals for fun in the Bundesliga at, at Bayern. This seems like a, a solution for all parties here. Chelsea and Bayern swap Lewandowski and Lukaku. Lewandowski gets his next his final big move. He can test himself in England. Sure, it's not Spain, but, you know, there's, there's still some sunny parts of England, I guess. Um <laughs> And Lukaku gets his, nice. Lukaku gets his move, uh, and, Chelsea, and and Bayern get their replacement. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't really think personally Lukaku's a top top tier striker. I don't put him in the same bracket as Lewandowski, but he's probably a lot better than anything they're going to sign this summer. You know, he's a great player. He'll bang goals in for fun in the league. He's a player that Nagelsmann can build a squad around to an extent. Um, and it just seems like a no-brainer to me that that would be the case. There has been some murmurs that Lewandowski might be on Chelsea's radar, and I do wonder if this is what something that might develop over the course of summer. But um, I don't know. That just seems to me like the most obvious solution if Lewandowski is determined to leave the summer. Yeah, I mean, it would give him that global spotlight he graves, right? This is what's another thing that Pablo pointed out. We were purely speculating here um, at this point and just don't want anyone to, to tweet, say, Manuel and Stefan said uh, Lewandowski wants to go to Chelsea and Chelsea <laughs> wants to sign Lewandowski. Um, this is pure speculation. Um, at the end of the day, I think he seems to have have his mind made up about going to Barcelona, but... Uh, Mike Bartle, his former agent, also tweeted um, just last week that um, for years you dreamt about Real Madrid and now you want to go to Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about someone here who seems to be not exactly set about where he wants to go if he leaves Bayern. I think the only thing that's certain at the moment is that he wants to leave, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if Chelsea do come along with a nice offer, um, I think they would probably fall, that offer would fall on fertile grounds. Mm. Um, which is, you know, again, not saying that this is going to happen. I do find it interesting, though, with Barcelona. 
that Gavi in particular, he's been rumored to be linked with Bayern. Um, yeah, so or, or, is, or Pedri, who they tried to sign before he moved to Barcelona, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day on Twitter, and they were saying, do Barcelona really need Lewandowski? And the, no. and the short answer is no, of course they don't. They signed a striker in Ferran Torres in January, then they signed another two or three right after him in Aubameyang and Traore and blah, 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 blah. They need defenders, they need midfielders. They do not need another striker. But if there's anything we know about Barcelona in the modern age, it's that they put, kind of, they put the idea of signing stars before any common sense. Yeah, it's so interesting how that used to be a Real Madrid thing. And now Real Madrid is actually the club that Barcelona used to be. Mm-hmm. This is like completely off topic because like Real Madrid just won the Champions League with and the league and everything else there is to win. Um with an Italian coach, wake up Bundesliga. There's other other coaches for other nationalities that can win the Champions League. Maybe you need to hire them. <laughs> um but it's kind of interesting how that's kind of flipped. Um yeah it's it's a hugely fascinating story and I I think the last word isn't spoken at all on this. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see because my suspicion is that when Bayern Munich returned to practice in July, Lewandowski will still be a Bayern Munich player. Mm. This is this is something that I'm predicting at the moment. I don't think there's going to be a resolution until then. You know, it's so interesting looking at things right now from a Bayern perspective because you have Lewandowski, but you also have Serge Gnabry. And yeah. some of the stories revolving around Gnabry this week were are absolutely baffling. I read one, I think it was maybe a Sport Build story, saying that Bayern are now heavily linking themselves to a winger and may even sign one with the intention of giving Gnabry the intention or giving Gnabry the impression that they want to move him on. You know, and it's just kind of like, why are they playing these? What's what's going on here? <laughs> if they want to sell Gnabry, just sell Gnabry. Just just let him go. Um, yeah. And it, it, I mean, obviously, this is just what I think of Sportbeard was saying. So we don't know if it's true or not. But these rumors persist because you know there's currently contract negotiations with the winger. And I'm always just quite wary of this idea that you just kind of let things kind of rumble over and hope that it goes away because, you know. One of the main points I made on Twitter this week was that the thing that really baffles me with the Lewandowski situation is that surely Bayern knew this was coming and they just haven't acted on it at all. Uh, you know, if you, if you kind of want to fast, if you want to rewind six months from now, nothing's really changed here. There's been There were rumours back then in November or, or August or October, or whatever, saying that Lewandowski wants to leave in the summer. And... Whenever Salihamovic or Oliver Kahn were asked about that, they would just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, we'll offer him a contract. We're sure he's going to stay. Bayern Munich are the best club in the world. Blah, 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 blah. But if you're a Bayern Munich fan, I know a lot of people listening to this are, you must be thinking, at that point, were they not trying to get a serious answer out of the player so that they could have maybe preemptively struck in January um, to sign a replacement because Bayern would be in a much, much better situation right now if they'd gone out and signed the ultimate kind of Lewandowski replacement. Flahavich, for example, you know, I know he cost the Juventus a lot of money, but he's not without, he's not beyond the realms of Bayern Munich's um, capacity to sign players. Um, you know, there's a number of players out there. I know, and all, the, all they ever seemed to do was kind of bat their eyelids at 
Erling Haaland, what about Darwin Nunes? Any of these guys, you know? It just kind of feels yeah. like it feels like Bayern are just kind of sitting with their feet up, hoping this whole thing sorts itself out. It blows. Like, just hoping that it blows all over. Uh, when in reality, it's just getting worse. It's it's all very baffling, and I'm with you because Darwin Nunes would would be a perfect replacement, right? Um, in, in many ways, and how about Sadio Mane? <laughs> Yeah, so instead they're going after. I was just going to bridge to that Sadio Mane because like this is the player that they are going heavily after, and um, was also represented by the same agent as Serge Gnabry <laughs> of all things, which is just I'm just that one of the build stories, sport build stories, and this is where I'm just shaking my head and kind of laughing because like you literally can't make that up. <laughs> is that they're trying to. To, to sign Sadio Mane to push Serge Gnabry into accepting a transfer away from the club. Yeah, that that's why I read. That's why I was trying to remember earlier on. And that's crazy because they're same agent. Surely Gnabry just has to pick up. It's like it's like going to the agent and say like we're going to force you to accept this transfer away because we're going to sign it in the same guy that you were already representing. <laughs> It's like, what? You're playing poker with two of the same people. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing, but this is ridiculous. How can you even make something like that up? I don't think the two are linked. No, and, you know, we've kind of talked about the Sadio Mane transfer a few times in the last couple of months. And it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense in a certain degree because, you know, if Bayern are looking to bring in a replacement for Gnabry, then Sadio Mane, Sadio Mane kind of makes sense because, you know, he's he's obviously a player of the peak of his powers. He's obviously done very well for Liverpool. Uh, and it seems as though he wants to leave the club with one year left in his contract. You know, and he brings a wealth of experience to that Bayern team, which, you know, actually kind of lacks quite a lot of experience up front, if you think about it. Besides mm. maybe Muller and Lewandowski, those wide positions don't have a huge amount of experience. And well, they're not that they're not inexperienced, but you're you're talking about kind of mid-twenties players like Sané and uh, Kings of Coleman, etc. Um, problem is, the, the numbers being quoted for Manny are about 50 million euros, which to me seems like a baffling amount of money for Bayern to spend on a 30-year-old to replace a perfectly good winger in Gnabry just because he wants an extra, what, four or five million a year? So, I don't think that's going to be 50 million. No, well... I, uh, I think they... I think they're rightfully going to say to Liverpool, we gave you Thiago for less than 30. It's time that you kind of repay the favor. Because Mani is going to, Mani has told several people uh, that are close to him that he wants to leave and join Bayern. Like that's, a, that's true. Like that's very much true that he wants to go to Bayern Munich. So he's going to push for, for a move, right? And I think in the end of the day, they're going to probably settle for around 30 million euros. Which? I, which would be fine. <laughs> That's actually a good deal. <laughs> yeah, but then how does Manny fit into this team? Is he meant well, this, to... is, this is the more interesting question, I think. <laughs> because he's, going to, he's, he's not going to come into this team to sit on the bench the way, no. that, the way that Gnabry is. You know, and that's the issue. And... He's not going to replace Lewandowski because he's not a number nine. So, 
if anything, it's the one position in this team that Bayern really don't actually need to invest in, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, one of the theories that I've heard is that the Nagelsmann wants to emulate what Guardiola has done at Barcelona and play without a number nine. So, which points to me that internally they have resigned to the fact that they're probably going to lose Lewandowski and then um, play without a proper number nine, maybe sign Sasha Kalajdzic from, from Stuttgart. Um, hearing from the Kalajdzic camp, the talks have been very good, right? But Kalajdzic wouldn't be a guy who starts every single game. Um, he would be someone who they would bring in on depending on the tactical orientation of of the team for that given match but he has uh, Nagelsmann has this vision where he could play Sané, Koman and Mané all up front um at the same time or maybe throw in Musiala or Müller or something like that right and um that's interesting uh I think it's it would completely revolutionize that's the way the team has played for the last 10 years uh, or ever because Bayern always had a number nine. Hmm. It's always been a number nine, really. Like before Lewandowski, it was uh, Luka Toni. No, it was Mansukic and Gomez. Then hmm. it was Luka Toni and Klose. Then it was uh, Makai, hmm. uh, Giovanni Elba. Before that, it was John. Oh, no, Klinsmann. Then it was Jean-Pierre Papin. Um, I'm probably missing some. But you get, you get the gist, right? Like there was always a number nine. There's always been a number nine at Bayern Munich. And Sadio Mane is not a number nine. Yeah, even when Guardiola was at the club, there was a number nine. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, this this kind of feels like a bit of a red herring. I'm still not 100% convinced that the Sergio Mani story is real. I know plenty of respectable journalists are covering it, and I'm, I'm not doubting them by any means. It just feels almost like a red herring of sorts. Um, I don't know if it's meant to distract Gnabry, although it doesn't make any sense since it's his own agency. I don't know if it's supposed to put pressure on Lewandowski. I don't know, but... Well, it's very real. It's, um, whether it's going to happen is another question, right? But it's, it's definitely real. Um, yeah. It's gone so far already that they like him to join because he speaks German. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, from his time in Salzburg, right? Um, yeah. It's, I just, but what I'm thinking, and this is, this is where, I'm just not, I'm not convinced this is a tactically a smart move. It's just going to throw everything into disarray and make this team go away so much from the philosophy that's been set, uh, set in stone for so many years. I'm not sure this is going to work. You know, like, you know, who, who else loves these kind of stories? Everyone else in the Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I I do wonder if this kind of if they've, they've kind of landed on Sadio Mane because the kind of number nines that they were hoping to go for are just not available. You know, there's obviously Haaland who, mm. let's be honest, they probably never had any chance of signing, but they reportedly made a go at it in the eleventh hour. Um, you know, as we reported, Patrick Schick uh, signed a new deal. Um, I kind of tweeted just before the deal came out. I tweeted like the day before that, you know, Leverkusen absolutely not selling this season, no matter what. Um, and or the summer rather than the what Kladzic, who you know, as I've kind of said in the pod before, I think is a very good player, but 
you know, he's not going to be a Lewandowski replacement from the get-go. I know there's reports that he might join the club either way if they keep Lewandowski, but there's also reports that he may prefer to move to Dortmund, uh, which Bayern may also be perfectly aware of. Mm. So, you know, unless Bayern are suddenly in the running for like Darwin Nunes or something, then their actual options for number nines are actually very limited. So maybe this isn't so yeah. much... Maybe this isn't so much Bayern playing, you know, 4D chess and overthinking things rather than them just kind of having like a short list of players and they've now scratched out the first five or six players and they're now left with Sadio Mane. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> well, I'm, glad, um, I'm glad we got to the bottom of it. That's, you know, yeah, I, I, I actually think you're bang on. Um, I think that... I, I do think that they're probably going to sign Sasha Kalajdzic. Um, but he's not the Lewandowski replacement either. I think he's just another good option for them. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where we're at. And whether that's going to be a good thing for the club or not is another question. It's a huge name. I think when you consider the the the, the, the impact it has in terms of the name bringing in and selling shirts, I think it's a good name. Mm. It brings star power to the league. And, you know, that might gloss over the fact that they are going to lose Lewandowski. It's not going to make the club better, though. That's the bottom line. Like, when they lose Lewandowski and they bring in Sadio Mane, they will have a net net negative of about 30 goals. Yeah. Right? And that's assuming that Thomas Miller still plays as well as he did last season. You know, there's a lot of dependence on a lot of things that could go wrong. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just it's it's a very it's a very odd time for Bayern Munich. Very odd time indeed. But it makes for can we talk? A, can we talk about a team that has done really well on the transfer window so far? Just to maybe go from this mess to something that's actually kind of positive. And we're kind of completely ignoring it because of everything that's going on at FC Hollywood. Um, Dortmund. Hmm. Silently, quietly plugging away at making, building a pretty nice team. Um, with a new head coach. With a new head coach. Um, the other day I listed all the great signings that they made and I from, completely forgot that they, they also had signed Karim Adeyemi. <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's kind of it, I'm really fascinated because Dortmund are also in for Sasha Kalajdzic, right? They're not. It's not as advanced as it with Bayern. They haven't done the in-depth talks that Bayern Munich have. I think they're kind of just waiting around. Um, they are have had constructive talks with Sebastian Haller, and they had some constructive talks with the Hugo Iketike camp. Um, I hope they really don't sign Hugo Iketike. This name is just such a tongue breaker. But um, <laughs> he's a wonder, he's supposed to be a wonderful player. We just had this new market value come out, right, on Transfermarkt. This is what we do this month. Lots and lots of new transfer market values. And he's shot up. And uh, Ronan Karov, who does our market values in France, rates him really highly, Stefan. Mm. Um, but I think as you rightfully pointed out, he would be just a... He would be that sort of signing who comes in and is gone two years later. Um, so yeah. maybe maybe someone like Sebastian Haller or Sasha Kalajic would be better. 
But they're also linked to Borna Sosa from Stuttgart, mm. who I actually think would be a fantastic signing for them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I think Bonasosa has been kind of waiting for this kind of move for a couple of seasons now. You know, if you if you read what Stuttgart say, they're not exactly pretending that they're going to hold on to him for too much longer. No. Um, I think injury kind of got in the way of a move last summer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you know, it's such a weird thing because the, it's just I just can't get over how much Rafael Gallero has just capitulated over the last kind of 12, 18 months. He just used to be such a great left back and it's just kind of fallen apart for him. Um, but they absolutely do need someone else at left back, uh, a decent player there. Sosa is just a tremendous crosser of the ball. Um, you know, and obviously if they bring in Kaladzic as well, then that's two players who know exactly how to play off each other. Um, oh, that's actually would be clever. Yeah. You know, I was just kind of looking at like the Dortmund signings for the summer, and I actually think Klasic would be the kind of perfect piece of the puzzle there because you could just see him and Adeyemi playing off each other so well, um, and that sorts that solves so many of your kind of striking problems overnight almost. And it also means that neither one of them is the direct Erling Haaland replacement, but rather you have two good players who can play off each other. Not not even players who swap in for one another. And then whenever one of them's on the pitch, they're supposed to be the guy who scored goals. They're the kind of like almost like a strike partnerships that can both play at the same time. It shares the load. It means that there's no one on the pitch, you know, with that number nine shirt having to be Haaland. I know Klasic maybe kind of has a similar frame to him because he's also this mm. kind of huge roving giant. But um, that would make a really smart. I think that'd be a really smart move, from in my opinion, because I still think looking at this Dortmund team, they still don't have a huge amount of firepower up front. Um, you know, I, I spent much of the season complaining about guys like Torgan Hazard and Julian Brandt. Um, Daniel Malins had a very difficult first season. There's no assurances that he'll suddenly click into gear next season. There's no assurances that Marco Royce will continue to play, you know, as well as he did last season. He really did fill in the gaps a lot of times, especially when Haaland was out. Um, I'm kind of looking at his Dortmund team thinking they definitely need to bring in our two or three forwards. And Adeyemi is a good start to that, but he's not going to fix things overnight himself. So... You know, Especially whether that means he's not a typical number nine, right? Yeah, well, exactly. So whether that means they kind of go to back three, they buy Sosa, and then suddenly they have you know more dynamic wing backs instead of wingers. Fair enough. Or if they want to really bring in some proper wide forwards, because this team just doesn't have any wingers in it whatsoever, really, if you think about it. So mm. uh, I know Kaladzic certainly isn't the answer to that after just kind of been beating his drum for a while, but. I think my point is that even if they do or don't bring in Kaladzic, they probably still need to add another two or three forwards to this team. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's going to be, with Guerrero, um, one thing that's always been fascinating about his career, this year's a World Cup year. Mm. Right? And Portugal have qualified, so he might actually play well this year. <laughs> is my point. <laughs> Um, he's always done well in tournament years. It's just something I've noticed. Um, so there's that. But they also, uh, Matteo Moret is coming back from a very long injury and they rated him really highly within the club. Uh, Gio Reyna hopefully is going to be fit as well at some point. Um, Marlin is a really fascinating one for me because I, 
I remember Lewandowski had a really difficult first year at Dortmund too. And um, it is a step from, from the Netherlands to, to Germany. And I do wonder if this is the year where he, where he finally kicks it off because he is a good player. I mean, we saw the PSV. He is a good player. Like he's, it's, it's somewhere, somewhere in there. There is a good player. He just needs to come out. And we've seen it sometimes when he's come off the bench. He would sometimes score two or three goals. Mm. Right. It's just, it's just he, for some odd reason he didn't get that horsepower consistently onto the onto the onto the field. Um, so it is somewhere in there. Um, I guess we're just waiting to see it come out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when I, when I did my newsletters through the season and I was kind of looking into his stats, there was a lot to be encouraged by. Um, and there was a lot to suggest that he was beginning to kind of get into the groove of things. I think the big issue with Malin and perhaps with a lot of these kind of forwards at Dortmund is that this team was so en- re-engineered to work around Haaland that... If you actually watched Dortmund, they were such a direct team because there was, everything was just based around get the ball to Haaland, get the ball to Haaland, get the ball to Haaland. And it almost bypassed the attacking stage itself. There was never really kind of those second balls or players playing off one another. Of course there were, but like whenever I watched them, it always felt like if someone was to come in for Haaland or if Haaland was injured, which was often the case, they didn't really have a plan B. They didn't really know how to use a player like Daniel Malin because he was constantly trying to run onto balls that he can't reach, but Malin or Haaland could, or trying to head in crosses or hold up the ball like Haaland does. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if Dortmund don't sign any players, if Terzic can come in this summer and be like, right, we have to rebuild this kind of attacking lineup. We have to change the way we play because this whole team was built around this, you know, this target man juggernaut we had up front uh, and we don't have that anymore so that's what a smart coach would do be interesting if that's what Terjic does do and you know if the club don't go on and sign anyone then it'll be down to him to kind of rebuild this team to get the best out of Malin and Brandt and Marco Royce and maybe Kaladzic if he comes in yeah really interesting um, that's the two big clubs covered um, there's not much going on at Leipzig at the moment so we're kind of going to keep that on a back burner until we, we get some more stories. I think, again, um, the big thing right now is players are with the national teams. Uh, and so you probably won't... But what you usually get in the Bundesliga is you have this right when the season ends, lots of movements, usually tra- lots of coaches getting fired. That seems to be the new trend. And some early signings that announced. And then you have a kind of two or three weeks where nothing happens because players are with the national teams. And I assume the moment that they come back, which is... Uh, Midweek next week, you'll see announcements that have been uh, in the works. But I do want to really quickly talk about a couple of things. Uh, Borussia mentioned Gladbach. They wanted Lucien Favre. Uh, it seemed very advanced. Um, they were sure that he would come back. And then he said, no, he's not going to coach in Germany ever again. Um is this a blessing in disguise, Stefan? Because I kind of think it is. I, I love Lucien Favre. I think he he is he has done some tactical things that have revolutionized the game. But it would have been the same old over and over again. And you and I have talked so many times about how the Bundesliga just recycles the same coaches over and over again and how boring it is and how it's not innovative at all. For a league that... 
sees itself as being the most innovative. It's very uninnovative to keep signing the same German speaking coaches all the time. And um, I really hope that Gladbach maybe think a little bit outside the box here. Um, because there isn't that many good German coaches out there at the moment. When you really think about it, yes, three out of the last four uh, Champions League winning coaches have been German, and one of them reached the final, right? Um, mm. On top of that, Tuchel. But the fact is, they're all abroad, or they're coaching the, or they're coaching the German national team. Mm. Yeah, we've the talked- only the only ones left is Tedesco Nagelsmann. Yeah, we right. we have talked about this before, like even like privately about it. And the interesting thing is that you know you could definitely make the case that you know German managers are obviously kind of dominating European football right now, but. It's a bit like how you have with like golden generations of players, I think. I think this is kind of what's going on right now in Germany where, you know, you obviously see this a lot with national teams. Um, you know, Portugal, for example, have like a golden generation of players come through. Those players are in the national team for 10 years and they kind of dominate the discussion. And then once they go, there's a kind of people don't even realize until they've left that the people coming behind them aren't of the same stature. Um, and it's not just Portugal's. We can make a perfectly good case for Germany, actually, maybe recently. But I think that's kind of what's happening on a managerial scale in German football as well. I don't want to be too doom and gloom about it because you know there's, there's still perfectly good managers or head coaches in German football. But I think there's an assumption, and there has been an assumption since Klopp was obviously at Dortmund, and then there was Tuchel, and then you know Pep Guardiola was Bayern Munich. I know he's not German, but there was this obviously this really great feel-good feeling about German football that it was the land where head coaches will just kind of blossom like dandelions every every summer. Or dandelions? Is that the right word? I don't even know if that... Are dandelions weeds? I don't know. I've totally lost my mind here. I know. Sun, sunflowers. <laughs> it's, they, say that they, they say they just pop up like sunflowers every spring. Um, oh. Because German football had cracked the code. Uh, they know how to... They, they had the academies. They had all the, the smarts to do it. And I actually think what's happened in reality is that we actually just had a very good class of manager come through at the same time. Uh, you had Thomas Tuchel, you had obviously Jurgen Klopp, uh, Julian Nagelsmann's obviously gone to great things. Hansi Flick has kind of emerged as well uh, from under Yogi Love's show, uh, shadow. Um, you can maybe even include someone like Ralph Hasenhutl. I know he's... No, not German, but you know what I mean. Um, and that kind of climate, that kind of Bundesliga class of head coach. Um, but the problem is, I'm not entirely sure um, the the head coaches coming in to replace them are of the same caliber. Because and 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 the way that I just kind of look at it is that there's, there's no there's no young Thomas Tuchel in this league right now. Um, and there's there's definitely young coaches who can go on to do great things. There's impressive young coaches. Um, but there's no one there who's really getting me excited and really getting me thinking, oh, wow, Dortmund or Bayern Munich, it's only a matter of time before they come along and get this guy. Um, you know, I certainly didn't think that about Marco Rosa at Gladbach, but they still spent a fortune trying to sign him because, you know, he's a German-speaking head coach and he mm. seemed to be relatively decent in the Bundesliga, uh, and that seems to go a long way. And it, and it kind of feels as though that if you want to call the Bundesliga an industry, it feels like the industry has just become very complacent with the scouting it does in terms of head coaches. And it just assumes 
the academies are pumping out head coaches that are as good as they used to be. And I'm not entirely sure that's the case. Um, Yuli Nagelsmann is probably the last one. Maybe Domenico Tedesco. I think I said this to you privately. Is like, he's the one who I think could maybe make the step up and become the next kind of big German head coach. But um, besides that, it's few and far between. And what it means is you've, you've just kind of got 10 or 15 Bundesliga clubs swapping head coaches every year and, and wasting mm. 5 or 10 million euros in compensation along the way. Yeah, and hoping that they could find that next Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Um, looking at you, Dortmund. <laughs> Um, it is very frustrating because I also think it's kind of like this doing in their own part and for a league that calls itself innovative try something different just try something different just go out and I I laughed and I know it was terribly wrong (laughs) when this was reported but Javi Alonso to Gladbach yeah even if it had gone wrong, I would have still loved it because it would have been different. Um, there were some rumors that Raul could go to Schalke. Do it. Just do it. Why not? You know, and in this case, it wouldn't even be that if, if you're banging away about the coach having to speak German, Raul played for Schalke. He's, a, he's literally um, a club legend there for, for the very brief time that he's been there. And done really well there and really became kind of an icon for the club, didn't he? It's like, do it. Why not? What What do you have to lose? Worst case, you bring in Mike Biskins to rescue the season. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, uh, it's Roger, true. Roger Schmidt, that poor guy can't get to sleep at night without an alarm going off telling him he's been linked to another Bundesliga club. Well, he's a Benfica. So well, there's yeah. actually another name who I actually think he is a good coach. He's a good German coach. Yeah. But he's at Benfica. Yeah, no. unfortunately, Leverkusen actually do seem to be quite smart with their head coaches. But one thing happens or another, and then it just doesn't seem to work out. Yeah. Um, but that's that's Leverkusen, and that's probably a discussion for another day. Well, yeah, Leo, I mean, Leverkusen, we didn't really talk about them because we, they haven't really announced their signings that are in the pipeline yet, right? Hadam Lossek and... Uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, mm. um, who has done a medical, by the way. Um, they're just trying to hush out the final details with Schachter, which can be very complicated. It could still torpedo this deal. Um, but they have done some really good stuff already. Um, and they have, and Gerardo Seone have a really interesting head coach, in mm. fairness, who is not German. Um, he's Swiss, speaks German, but I don't think German is his native tongue. Yeah, but anyways, uh, that's Gladbach. Favre is not coming. It will be some other guy who will be German. Probably just lost his job recently. Um, that's the the latest there. Um, we'll be back though with another show. I I want to let you go because you you have to go see the the Scotland game. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just laughing because I've just realised that this entire podcast has been so pessimistic. We've been pessimistic no. about Bayern, and then I was I was giving Dortmund grief for not signing us forwards, and now we're basically saying, uh, you know, Gladbach are going to uh, get relegated next season because even Lucien Favre doesn't want to come back to the club. Yeah, I mean, and then now you get to go and see Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> It's cheer me off, I can assure you of that. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll be watching it on TV. Um, 
it's going to be an interesting storyline for sure. One that we thankfully don't have to cover here. But yeah, Stefan, it's been great. Uh, we'll be back next week, maybe with two shows, depending on what's going on. Uh, German national team, of course, also in action. And playing Hungary and Italy, I think, twice yeah. uh, each. Good. And um, we'll probably maybe cover that a little bit to see how it goes. Um, but yeah, huge focus on transfers. Could I, uh, uh, quick, quick request before we finish up. Uh, I've just sure. got something. If you, the listener, um, notice any interesting transfers around German football and you would like us to shine a light on them, just send yeah. us a message or a tweet uh, and we'll make a note of it. We'll definitely bring it up next time we do a show because we do focus on the big teams here, but if there's any smaller clubs making interesting moves, we'll definitely pick it up for you. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's a good shout. And also, please leave us a review. Uh, we got a couple in the last week and they were really nice. Thank you so much. We appreciate it um the kind words we we see them and this is why we do this right um because you the listener and um, we thank you for listening every week um it makes it a lot more fun so yeah please keep the reviews coming and um please ask us questions uh, it makes it easier for us too, to run the show it's always interesting to hear from people to listen and we're just curious about one player or another or a team or a story and um, we're more than happy to shed or shed light on it um yeah but as always the show is brought to you by bet online and we'll be back next week with another episode or maybe two we'll see see what's going to happen until then auf wiedersehen Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.